This is the MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Hi, in today's episode, I'm joined by Joe Livermore. Joe was diagnosed with remitting, relapsing MS, and she's going to share her diagnosis story. Nice to have you here. And uh, Joe, I came across when I found her blog, Give Me Hope, Joanna, and I was reading through it, and you've got a really interesting tale of diagnosis. So I thought we have to talk more. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's about Joe's diagnosis story. Thank you for joining me today. Whereabouts are you joining us from? Um, so I'm joining you from Oral, which is uh, in Wigan, which is Grace Manchester, so up in the northwest. Although obviously my accent betrays me as a southerner. <laughs> okay, so there's a bit of a southerner lurking inside, is there? Yes, there is, yeah. 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 But I've been here for 10 years now, so I think plastic northern is the term that they use for me. So could you tell us in just a couple of minutes your MS story? Yeah, of course I can. So, I mean, my story probably starts about 10 years ago, although it was another eight years before I actually knew that I had MS. And when I reflect back, there's so many different things that happened that I now know were relapses. Um, So in 2010... I first moved up north I started suffering with this tingling in my leg that's obviously what's going on there I never for one minute thought that it was something serious um and I went to a doctor and I got sent for a scan and I never heard anything back so I always just assumed that there was nothing to worry about then over the years I started to pick up all these other little symptoms and I had what I now know to be relapses but there was literally an excuse for everything I thought clumsiness and being less agile was down to old age at, at the age of 29 the fatigue was no. just the fact <laughs> I know, well I know I know it's ridiculous isn't it <laughs> yeah I look back absolutely ridiculous and things like fatigue was just the fact that I was constantly going 100 miles June 2017 um I started going blind in my left eye and it's not the sort of thing you can make an excuse for. Titian, who said he didn't think there was anything wrong, but obviously there was something wrong. So I ended up being referred to um, a specialist eye unit in Liverpool. There they poked, prodded, put all the different stuff in the eye that they possibly could in an attempt to obviously understand what was going on. What was really funny was the doctor kept asking me, have you got any tingling in your legs? And that had been happening for seven years. It had never gone away since it first started when I moved up north. And I thought, I'm not telling you that. Why would you be asking me about that when I'm here about my eyes? And I just went into this bizarre place of like, lie about it, lie about it, it's fine. But why are they asking me about that? Um, And they asked me quite a few times. And eventually I was like, you're going to have to just fess up, Joe. You can't, it's not going to change anything if you lie about the fact that your legs legs are or aren't tingling um so yeah eventually they told me about that about three months later they said oh we think there's another condition and we think that condition might be multiple sclerosis and then I just got sent for test after test I've always been successful though never had a lumbar puncture which is my one small victory to date okay that's the one thing that you've never ever wanted to have 
I've never wanted one. The thought no. of one has put the fear of God in me. And I've just always managed to avoid it. I think luckily I'm quite a textbook MS patient. So mm-hmm. I never needed the lumbar puncture to, to prove it. They did offer one. Did that? They said to me, yeah, they said, do you want one just to make sure you've got all the information? I'm like, have you got enough information? They're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, we don't need a lumbar puncture. <laughs> oh, so actually 10 years before your diagnosis, these things have been bubbling away yeah but you just you just not pieced them together yourself and or necessarily even spoken to anybody about them no it was always like I could just put it down to I'm just run down I've been working really hard at work the only one that was really really significant I would say was when I I woke up one morning and I just started getting like progressively like this double blindness vertigo dizziness sickness couldn't balance and that wasn't right and that lasted for about five weeks and I'd gone to the doctor probably after about a week of it happening only because I needed a sick note from work I mean this is how seriously I used to take my health (laughs) and I went to the doctors and I think at first they thought I'd had a stroke then they tested me for all sorts of stuff and then as as relapses do everything goes back to normal after six weeks and they were just like, oh, mystery solved. You're okay now, which isn't necessarily that helpful. No, it's not helpful. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of how would you proceed when there's nothing there to proceed with? Exactly, exactly. And I didn't push it. I was just, oh, I'm back to normal now. That's fine. Let's just carry on at 100 miles an hour again. So I bought a lot of that on myself. And I don't don't blame any medical practitioner for never picking it up. So do you think when you went about your eye, and they were asking you, do you think they'd looked at your notes and they'd suspected? I don't know at that point, because I'd gone to um, St Paul's Eye Unit at Liverpool. But I think optic neuritis which is obviously what I was eventually diagnosed with to then come to the MS diagnosis is really really it's a really common indicator for people to initially get diagnosed with MS isn't it so they're obviously seeing all the signs there in me and asking little questions to try and find out if I was displaying any other symptoms to try and diagnose MS yeah as the end result and the reason yeah through a filter almost say yes it is because they they can't have explained anything when they've looked at your eyes yeah they didn't tell me anything at that point yeah no so what happened after that what happened after that joe after you'd sort of been through the eye the eye sort of recovery yeah so I mean I only went for the follow-up appointment for my eye because it was the day before I was due to go on holiday and I thought oh well it's a day off work before going to going on holiday because my sight had come back I didn't even think to go to the appointment really which again is just such an a symptom of my bad attitude towards my health I guess um and when I went then they were like well we've got all of this information, we think what you've got is MS, we need to send you for a few more tests. I was referred to a neurologist who actually wasn't an MS specialist, she was just a general neurologist and it was her that eventually diagnosed me. So I had like all the reflex tests, you know, where they like they prick your skin to see if you if you feel the sensation and like they whack the tuning fork against your foot and all of those different tests. And I think by that point I was still needed they'd asked for a spinal MRI as well at that point Mm -hmm. because I'd only Mm -hmm. had a head so far 
Okay. So you did your two sets of MRIs. Did you have any sort of contrast or anything in with your MRIs? No, when they put yeah, no, I never needed contrast. They never did anything with contrast, but I did have something while they were diagnosing the optic neuritis. It was called an evoked potential test. I don't know if you've ever heard of one of these. This I've seems heard to be of a bit one, of a lesser. But I've not spoken mm. to anybody that's that's been through one. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about the evoked potentials test. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be um, interesting. They they basically put electrodes in your eye around your eyes and all over your head is that painful it's not it feels like an eyelash is in your eye and I'm a contact lens wearer anyway so I'm quite used to sort of sticking stuff in my eye all the time but yeah and then but the thing is as soon as somebody says don't rub your eye obviously the one thing you want to do you want to have a really good go (laughs) to try and get (laughs) this electrode out (laughs) so I don't touch the red button um but what they do is they show you all these things like, you know, those um, magic eyes that you used to do as a child where you, you, you had to see like the image within the image. And like yeah. if you cross your eyes, you could see what was there. It was a bit like that. And they just put your eye under intense stress with all these really weird, weird pictures that you think like Darren Brown's probably used them to hypnotize somebody somewhere along the line. <laughs> and at this point, you're getting a little bit worried, are you, about what's happening? Well, yeah, at this point, I didn't even know like MS was a thing, like was it was even on the radar for me. So I'm like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> it's just like never in a million years did I think this would be happening. And yeah, so it, they just they're just trying to stress out your eye to see how quickly your nerves react. That That's the bottom line of what they're trying to do. Um, and then that's how they can from that they can diagnose optic neuritis because they're just looking for how are your nerves reacting those to those things? Are they reacting as quickly as a normal healthy person would and there was another one I had to put my head in like this box and there was like a light lights flashing all over the place and every time I saw the light I had to press a button so mm. again it was like a test of my reflex to those lights or just not seeing the lights at all which in some cases I didn't yeah and so you did these unusual tests and then they <laughs> say neuritis. they are do sound definitely yeah. unusual yeah it's uh, it's a good thing to talk to somebody that's experienced Mm. something that is not the ordinary Mm. definitely definitely so you'd been and you had had your head mri and your spine mri so how many years ago are we at now so that was so that was all this was all in like the back end of 2017 so this was sort of like between june and november was when i was really undergoing a lot of tests for uh, whatever it was that they were looking for which obviously by this point I knew was MS and the message that I was getting really from the neurologist is they just need to kind of rule out anything else that it might be so sometimes like connective tissue disorders so things like rheumatoid arthritis I think can sometimes be misdiagnosed Um, it was all those things that they were just trying to rule out at that point so blood tests any any tests they could give me really I think so that must have been a really, really quite a hard time just be going through test after test and not really when you're going through the diagnosis stages and the tests, you're not getting an awful lot of feedback at that stage, are you? No, you don't. And you really feel like you're lost in the system. Um, because the thing is, this is the most important thing in your world. When you're going through that diagnosis, it's all you can think about. It consumes you. But 
obviously to the NHS you're just another person in the system and I think you really see how amazing they are when you go from just having to see a GP for a cold through to having a serious condition the NHS are just fab but there is that thing you're you're just another patient in the system and they'll get to you as and when they can Mm. and I think the thing with MS as well is that if a relapse is going to happen, it's going to happen. They can't really prevent it. So there's not necessarily that urgency there is with something that could be terminal or life-threatening, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yes. In terms of how quickly they're looking at things yeah, as well. You'd had your two MRIs then. um, And you went back to an appointment, presumably. Tell us what happened following having the MRIs yeah so that that was the November when I first went to see um the the general neurologist um eventually I think it was in January 2018 was when I finally got my diagnosis from her and she then referred me to a specialist okay so she's this she's the generic neurologist that you've been seeing yeah 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 so, but she obviously knew the signs anyway to yeah. have done what she'd done. So even yeah. though she's she, a generic she, neurologist, she spotted, she spotted what yeah, she needed she, to know. Yeah, she, she knew enough to diagnose because they, they say that you can only be diagnosed by a neurologist. I don't think there's any specific requirement. They have to be a specialist MS neurologist. So she, at the point of diagnosis, she then referred me on so that a discussion could be had just about how serious it was and sort of medication options and things like that. So what sort of things did happen then? So when you went to see the MS specialist neurologist, yeah, what happened? That, that was a real shock for me, actually, because based on the information that the general neurologist had, it didn't sound like it was going to be that serious. And based on the conversation or like the research that I'd done on like MS Trust, MS Society, things like that, I, I wondered if I'd even qualify for any medication because what I tracked back in my history and stuff, I was like, I don't know if I've had enough relapses to sort of qualify for medication or if I'd even want to take it. And when I went to see my general neurologist for the first, uh, sorry, sorry, my specialist neurologist for the very first time, I mean, that, that in itself is an experience before, because before you even get to him, you have, you feel like you're in the cube. Do you remember that TV show with Philip mm-hmm. Schofield? Mm-hmm. And I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever done the peg test with the nine holes. Yes, I have, you have to yes. Put the, you have to put the holes in and you have to take them out and they time you with each hand and you have to do the 25-metre walk and they see, and basically that's your benchmark each year, isn't it, when you go to see your consultant. And, and this is it. It was just this whole range of new experiences, everything I was doing. And I went to see him and then he did all the tests again where they stab you and poke you and check how, how quickly you're reacting to things or for how long mm-hmm. you can feel things. And in the end, he sat me down and he said to me, he said, like, this has been going on for you for a really, really long time. And he showed me like um, a scan on my spine. My spinal cord is absolutely covered in lesions to the point that, I can't believe I'm as mobile as I am still. Yeah. I think I think his words to me were that I've got a really, really low reserve on my spine. And he said that next relapse could be the disabling one because there's that little space for you on your spine. And that was really scary because I think at that, that point... That must I was have like, been a huge shock. It yeah. was because 
at that point I'd convinced I think I'd been told there was like three lesions on my brain they were all very related to cognitive stuff I think like emotions and something memory related and something somewhere else they said in terms of where it was on my brain so to then find out that I'm lucky to still be mobile when I've got that much that many lesions on my spine was was quite a shock Mm. um because there was no hint of that from the previous neurologist but I think she probably erred on the court as not not as a specialist ms um neurologist probably erred on the side of caution I would say Mm. in terms of how much she told me um so yeah proper shock to the system that day um and I was told that I was being put straight on one of the more aggressive therapies. Um, so I was given the option of Tysabri, Mavenclad mm-hmm. and Lemtrada. And it was Lemtrada I went with. So Jo's just had some shocking information from her neurologists. Listening to tomorrow's episode so you can hear more. Thanks so much for listening to today's MS show. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with the MS show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for the MS show. Come back soon for another dose of MS information and inspiration. You've been listening to the MS show podcast.